0: Hey, we want to thank our sponsor Avalera and Zipter.
1: Yeah, two two this huge podcast. sponsors coming at us. Avalera, the king of sales tax compliance. Yep. If you think you have a sales tax compliance product and it's not Avalera, then you're wrong. You're wrong. And Zipter, Ooh. huge. If you want if you want your secure uh, document transfer to feel like email, you need to try out Zipter cuz that's what they've done. Yeah, Zipter rocks. It's like you
0: everything's encrypted on Zipter. You can't yep. you can't send crap unless it's encrypted. So you can be in a coffee shop, Zipter's installed on your Mac, and you can drag a tax return in there, and it takes like two seconds, but it encrypts the document and then shoots it to your 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 friend who will receive it.
1: Zipter's even working on a BlackBerry uh, app, so look forward to that in the near future. Uh, now on with the podcast. Boom.
0: Welcome to the June 2013 edition of the Thrivecast. I'm Jason.
1: (laughs) And I am Greg, and we're so glad you came back for some more giggles uh, in, in your face accounting content. Accounting giggles. This is a, we'll call this show the Accounting Giggle Show because we laugh. <laughs> okay, okay, but we're still, we're still dedicated to bringing you solid content in the midst right. of said giggles. Uh, we've got uh, we've got a big a big show for you today. But first, before we get to that, Jason, you wanted to mention something that's coming up in the what seems like the distant future, but in reality is not that distant. No, of the it's future. not.
0: Uh, at the end of October, we always have our live learning gathering in Greenville, South Carolina, with Thrival and uh it's deep called deeper weekend and And it's awesome listen we got people some of our members from canada and australia are flying in what because it rocks that much
1: that is that it does rock that much or more
0: and i gotta i gotta i gotta tell everybody something we need you to come the 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 guests that are going to be there are going to be awesome but greg you and i have a extra special thing that's going to happen that it's kind of, so secretive
1: and nobody uh, could ever guess. Right, you will. It will just be amazing. And it's so secretive that I actually have uh, have been I've forgotten what it is, but That's it's right. amazing. And and I mean, this is the kind of stuff that blows your mind. If you're involved in Thrival, you get to uh, hang out with people virtually through Yammer, through other other sources, and you're you're getting all this support and all this. Right. Uh, all this meeting and all this, uh, you know, stuff that's really changing your life and your, and your business. And, uh, and as a group, we're, we're helping to change the profession. There's just some magic that happens when we get those people together where we're face to face and, uh, and we can, we can take our relationships to that deeper level. We can take our community to that deeper level. So if you're thinking about it, you really should go out of your way to get there. Cause it's, it's pretty amazing. And I'd like to meet you, whoever you are right now. That's listening. I want to meet you. So yeah. you should and come.
0: I, and I want to meet you too. I want to give you a hug around your neck. I want to hug your neck, listener. Listener, I want to hug your neck. So, hey, with this whole show, uh, the only guests are Thrival members that have gone through some some rough tax seasons, and this whole show is dedicated to innovations, creativity, and things to change within the tax season. So, uh, are we ready to get our guests on the line?
1: Absolutely. Let's get them.
0: Okay, we're here with our awesome guests for our tax season review on the freaking ThriveCast. Yes, yeah, so are you here too. We
1: got, we got a we got a packed house on Skype this morning with uh, with three amazing uh, uh, Thrival members. We've got. Uh, well, let's. Uh, who we going to? Who should we start out with? Well, let's Jason. start out with.
0: Okay, so we got Joy Lazat. Say hey, Joy. Hey. Cool. There she. There she is. Got what, Shana. Hi. And Joy and Shayna sound alike, so we won't know who the heck's talking, so that's unfortunate. And we got Steve. Good morning. I didn't say their last name, did I, Greg?
1: I don't think so. Is this going to be like Accountants Anonymous, maybe? <laughs> <It's, So.
0: laughs> we found random accountants on the street. <laughs> we don't know these people. We hope they had a good tax season.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, um... First off, let's start off with Joy. Uh, Joy, where first off, where are you located in our in our great country or world? And probably tell us your name, full name, too. Okay, Joy
2: Lazat. I am out of Lake City, Florida, which is about an hour west of Jacksonville.
1: Okay. Do they do now in your? Are, are you at work right now, or are you at home right now? I'm at work. You're at work. You, is, is there a salt shaker at your office?
2: Probably so.
1: Okay, I go So get then it? if you had that, you would have salt in Lake City. Am I right? Am I right? Come it's,
0: on. Come on, that's, that's by where I'm at. Come um, on. All right, so we're moving on to Shayna Chapman. Tell us where you are, Shayna.
3: Hi, I am in Gallup Police, Ohio, which is southeastern Ohio. Uh, okay. More on the West Virginia. I'm I'm a little more um, West Virginian than I am Ohioan, perhaps.
1: Right. So are you in the part of Ohio that people don't really travel through except by buggy?
3: Um, it, it, yes, buggies and funerals. Um, but oh, wait, buggies I- and what? Funerals, funerals are funerals are still you know those are big deals here. So <laughs> wow. there's
1: a traffic jam anytime there's a buggy or a funeral. Nice one. One of the one of the big uh, industry we have we have a, a great agricultural and funeral business in our part right. of the, the state. Awesome. <laughs> That's cool. So then we're
0: moving on to Steve Parker. Steve, tell us where you are.
1: I am in Tempe, Arizona. Oh, right on. That's uh that's that's in my neck of the woods over here. Uh how wh- how hot is it going to get today in Tempe, Arizona? Today I would guess it's going to be pushing, you know, 95 to 100. It's pretty Yeesh. much breaking into the 100. Oh my. Gosh. Uh and then that's the rest of the summer for you, isn't it? Oh, no, it warms up. It, oh, this oh is still gosh. chilly. This is still you need to have a light windbreaker today still <laughs> in Tempe, Arizona. <laughs> That's right. Another month, and we won't have to have a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable! Unbelievable. Okay. Well, here's here's a few questions uh, for each of you that we're just going to ask. Uh, so we'll kind of focus in on, on some of you, on on each of you for for just a little while. Uh, Joy, uh, y- 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 how long have you uh, owned your own practice for? Seven months. Seven months. Seven months. Awesome. So this was your very first tax season, correct? Yes. As as an owner. Own.
2: Yes.
1: How long have you been practicing as a CPA?
2: Um, I have probably only been a CPA three, maybe four years. Um, awesome. But before I went out on my own, I was with a CPA firm for
1: thirteen years. Okay. Oh, wow. Gotcha. So you've got you've got lots of experience. So as a as a CPA, in terms of all of the tax seasons you've had owning your own firm, was this the hardest? <laughs> Um, it's a trick question. It's a trick yeah, question. A
2: question. Because it's I think each day was different. It was some days were so exciting that it was on my own and other days were like what the heck am I doing? Right. Um, right. So I wouldn't I, I would say it's the most exciting tax season.
1: Cool. Right on. Um what a uh, let's see. Uh what's it what, just just uh, kind of to fill things out do, Are there any business books that you love?
2: Um, I would say probably my favorite one that I recommend to most owners to read would be Entree Leadership.
1: Entree Leadership. Tell us a little bit. I haven't, I'm not familiar with this. I think I've heard the title. Jason, you know, do you know that book? Yes, Dave Ramsey's book. It's good stuff.
2: Yeah, it it touches on a lot of points just on being a good leader and motivating people and creating a good culture.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, they have a, a podcast, too, which is um, totally awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. Their
0: podcast
1: is really good. What's that, what's that hilarious guy's name who's, who works somehow with Dave Ramsey that has like his own uh, blog and podcast and like stuff Christians say or something like that? Do you know uh-uh. who I'm talking about?
0: Uh-uh.
1: Oh, he's real famous. You guys don't know who I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. My wife will know. It'll come to me eventually. Uh, <laughs> very good. Um, and then wh- where did you go to college, Joey?
2: I went to University of North Florida.
1: Okay, so you're a Florida girl. You grew up there? All your uh, life
2: yeah. yeah, I've been here my whole life.
1: Right on. What was your favorite non-business, non-accounting class that you took in college?
2: Mm. <laughs> I, I was just so thankful to get out of college. I don't think anyone <laughs> was my favorite. Is that horrible? She i will hate, tell you a, uh, hated
0: it you She hated it all.
2: I needed an elective, and I thought the only online class I could take was building websites, and I said, how hard could that be? That was huh? harder than any accounting class I've ever <laughs> taken in my life. It was
1: horrible. Nice. Nice. Very good. Well, we're so glad to have you uh, on the podcast today, and we're, and we're excited to get some of your uh, your, your angle and your, your vision of what this last tax season was like and what uh, what everybody can learn and what you learned uh, as we go forward. Uh, as a profession and as a, as the thrival community.
0: Yeah, you want to move on to Shaina? So Shaina, yeah. let's let's figure out how long you have owned your own firm or been working in your firm because it's you've you've been working with your father some for a long time, right?
3: I have. We came back here in two thousand and two uh, and joined with my father in two thousand and two, and then I became the managing partner in two thousand and five. Good. So I think that. I, Think maybe this was my eighth tax season in that position.
1: So nice. So it only took you three years to oust the old man, huh? Well,
3: that's that's uh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Ousting is not very easy when you are talking about your parents.
1: (laughs) I I know, I know. Yeah, we
0: Uh, the ousting it continues on even after they're technically and I am doing quote marks in the air. They're technically gone the ousting continues. So, Shana, tell us one thing you love about running your own CPA firm.
3: You know, I really love the ability to... that i'm managing myself now sometimes that gets me in trouble but i really love the fact that as far as um family and um time i can i can do what i want without somebody else telling me when i have to come and go and really that's just that's just being a self that's a perk of being self-employed no matter Mm -hmm. what you do
0: you like managing other people
3: well um i do like i i do i'm just not i'm not good at i'm really i'm going to tell you my my weakness i'm not very good at getting on people when i think that they're not doing what they're supposed mm. to be doing i'm i'm probably too nice um but that's just the way i am and that's the way i'm going to have to handle things yeah
0: so. where'd you go to school local there
3: um college or
1: yep, yeah yeah co- yeah college oh, right. that's we well, were a, actually middle school let's go back to middle school
3: well <laughs> no. I went to every school within a block of my office right here actually wow. um but so, beyond so, that my high, high school bit? was my high school was seventh through twelfth grade okay, o- okay. this is a small community
1: <laughs> okay Sh- Shayna Shayna yes you said that one of your weaknesses is that you have a hard time getting on people when you should. Okay, right now I asked you what the name of your middle school was, <laughs> and you've given me the name of your high school. Okay, very clear directions, very cl- clear outcomes. This is a results only podcast, <laughs> and I need to know the name of your middle school, please. Um, well,
3: like I said, our middle school and high school were one school.
1: Did so- you go? Did you go Ooh. to middle school? <laughs>
3: No, I went to what was called Junior High, if you want to be technical. Um, But it was Gallia Academy Junior High School.
1: Okay, very good. Okay, and then my bad for for jumping all over you so bad. (laughs) They they combine them in West Virginia, Greg. The the results were not clear because I did say middle school, and technically you're you're avoiding the question was (laughs) correct because you did not go to one. So I apologize for (laughs) that. And there's a lot we can learn from this interaction (laughs) going forward. There's not much we can learn from it, actually.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Not really. Not really.
0: So, Shana, what did you, okay, in in college, let's not talk about junior high anymore. In college, what were some classes you loved that were not accounting related, like underwater basket weaving?
3: You started to ask me what college I went to, and I actually didn't just go to one. I'm one of those travelers. Mm-hmm. I, I spent two years at the University of Kentucky. I love my Wildcats, still cheer on the basketball team, love basketball. Um, but once I decided I wanted to be an accountant, I came back closer to home, to Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia. Cool. Uh, yeah, go herd, we are Marshall. Yeah, I've heard but Marshall, in between, for sure. it, in between times, I went to Temple University, Japan, in Tokyo, and my what? favorite class was actually a Zen Buddhism class. What? Yeah, Zen Buddhism. It was, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot um, of just, you know, being one. It was mostly about the history of Zen Buddhism and all that, but it was just so interesting to be there in that culture and be able to do that. That was probably my favorite non-accounting class that I took.
0: Do you go, do you go Are to you- school and cross your legs
1: during that class and sit on the floor?
3: um you probably could have but oh. we didn't
1: oh. you, you, you just raked a lot of sand right
3: <laughs> that's what that's right and and did flower arrangements and <clears throat> um through coins no i
1: just, are you well. fluent in japanese
3: not anymore i was not never anymore. fluent i just knew enough to speak and get around but uh, you know i haven't had to use it for about 10 years now so okay
1: here's here's my japanese phrase Uh-oh. that i know uh otsuki nikibi which i don't I th-
3: know nikki
1: b it's pimple <laughs> it's pimple or zit so i think i just said big zit
3: <laughs> right yeah, yeah yeah
1: good take uh-huh. joy back joy real quick any languages you know besides english
2: no i'm lucky to know english <laughs> <laughs> I know
1: tax. Is that a language? It, 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 actually, it actually is. It actually is. That's is, awesome. Is, can you say, Shana,
0: can you say, I'm so happy to be on the Thrivecast in Japanese?
1: Yeah. Oh,
3: see, I was just going to so say that in English until you added that Japanese okay. word. Um, all right.
0: So, I, so,
3: I, 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 I can't anymore. No. All right, well, all right Steve.
0: We, we finally got to get to you, Steve. So tell us um, how long you've been running your firm, man? Eh? Well, how, we long long doing in, total? I'm sorry? how long you been doing this total? I'm sorry? How long have you been doing the CPA, public profession of cpa in total?
4: I entered this profession in September of 1982, so I guess that makes me 31 years. Nice. Wow. Nice. Yeah, long time. Gray hair. So,
0: you, do you actually have gray hair?
4: Yes, sir. Um, do you me too.
0: Have you, you don't dye your hair?
4: Uh, no, I just am not that uh, not that sophisticated, I guess.
0: Not that vain?
4: <laughs> that could be.
0: I, well, I just heard on NPR this morning that more men are starting to wear makeup. I'm considering that, but... Um, Steve, maybe. I'll, uh,
1: right? I'll let you try that and you can uh, you let me know how that goes. Okay. Just just for some context, here were some great movies that came out in 1982 E.T. The Extraterrestrial, <laughs> Conan the Barbarian, Love first, that one. first Blood, the first Rambo movie, Love Fast that one. Times at Ridgemont High, Tootsie, that was a huge Gandhi, oh my God, Tron, what? That was, that huge. was an amazing movie year and you didn't watch any of them because you were too busy <laughs> doing <laughs> doing accounting I've seen
0: all those movies
1: those are some great some great films I saw E.T. and uh, First Blood did you? <laughs> probably nice. in those days nice uh, that's uh, when
0: you were a peon you could get some still some time off right Steve? <laughs>
4: once in a while
0: nice,
1: nice. Well, um, well, what
0: so do you now, love about what, it? what do you love about running your own firm Steve?
4: I love the independence. I love the ability to set a vision and, and, and it be ours or mine and strive for that and not be, you know, working on someone else's vision necessarily.
1: Right.
4: Love the, just the independence each day. It's a, you know, it's a new day. It's, it's, there's always something, uh, something
1: interesting. Right. That's, how, how long have you owned your own firm?
4: Uh, Well, this is the third rendition, um, and we started this in June of 2010.
1: Okay, and what what do you mean by third rendition? There's two other CPA firms you've run into the ground and had to come back like a phoenix (laughs) out of the ashes. Oh, that's funny. Um, no, I, I, this is actually the third
4: firm I've started. The, uh, I guess the, the second one I started, we ultimately were acquired by a national firm. And the first okay. one just was kind of turned into a merger. And then I went off to a uh, private.
1: Okay. Gotcha.
0: So, that's- so what happens when people buy firms and merge? I mean, are you, was that like a crappy situation? You're out of there. Is that what happened?
4: You know, it depends on, uh, <clears throat> it depends on the the situation. we, I had about seven people in '96, '97 merged with a firm that was about 35 people, then they merged with another 15. That turned into a to a real unhappy situation, and, wow. and uh, partner and I left, and and um, you know we split up, and then we ultimately joined a national firm. That was a very positive positive experience. Cool.
1: Very nice.
0: Cool. Well, let's let's dive into some questions. Let's start learning, man.
1: Yeah, let's let's do that. You go so, go first, Greg. Let's okay. So, so, I was looking. I was reading on uh, CPA Trendlines, Rick Delberg's uh, website. There was a there was an article by a a, a guy who I can't re- his first name was Bob. I can't remember his last name. I think it was Larson <laughs> or something like that. And he uh, he had he had some data that he had collected from his uh, from his. Constituents, whoever they may be, and they said, according to his results, about sixty percent of the peep of the people that he polled said that this past tax season was absolute worst tax season that they've ever had, or it was at least one of the worst tax seasons they've ever had. And then the funny thing is, uh, we, we also see Barry Melanson has been saying that, uh, according to just his feeling it out from talking to people that about 90% of people, 90% of the people in our profession say this last year was the worst tax season that they have ever been through. And we've already, we already touched on that a little bit with you, Joy, but uh, Shayna and Steve, uh, it'd be interesting to know what you guys think in terms of, was this the worst or one of the worst? Shayna, what do you think?
3: Oh, hands down, yeah, this is my, uh, I've had my firm now for eight tax seasons, but I believe this is my 17th tax season. Plus, Uh, I grew up in this business anyway from the time I was born, Um, but this was hands down the worst tax season in terms of not knowing when we were gonna get stuff, the computer glitches. Mm. Um, My software is phenomenal, I couldn't have asked for better, but I know accountants across Mm. the country had problems with that, Um, it was just, yeah, it was bad.
1: Okay, S- Steve, what are, what
4: are your thoughts? Well, when I hear that, I think uh, folks either weren't around or have forgotten the 87, 88 tax seasons after the Tax Reform Act of 86, the <laughs> passive activity rules. Everybody suddenly owed a ton of money they didn't expect. The uh, uh, Computer software was nowhere near capable of dealing, even the better software struggled with it. Those were, in my mind, the uh, worst tax seasons in my career. Right. Um, the more recent one, ours. We were so busy dealing with some personnel issues that I don't know that I noticed that, uh, <laughs> other issues. I mean, there was a little compression and and things of that sort. Our software worked quite well. Um, and it, it did, and your software? Pretty well your prepared. software did work well. Yes. Yeah. Good. There was there was not. I mean, it it wasn't as stable as it had been in most years. It seemed like a lot more updates, and they were forcing them out on us sometimes in inconvenient times. But but uh, yeah, it worked quite well
3: okay i i agree with that i agree with that statement my software was very good but i know there were a lot of people across the country that use softwares that were just not you know when you're when you're forcing people to update software and change for the tax laws in january yeah. that's mm-hmm. not going to make for a very good tax season right What
1: well, joy joy how was your what, what was your uh how was your software situation this year it
2: was it was a challenge, too, dealing with that and trying to update it and not being able to do anything until, you know, late January or mid-February. And another issue I had, too, was, you know, doing even in December doing projections, you didn't know what was going to happen. And so when right. you get to a client and say, well, I really don't know if you're going to owe 2000 or $10,000, uh, you know, it makes us look bad, I feel.
0: Right. And that was the mainly the AMT, <clears throat> AMT right. stuff we were wondering about, right?
1: Right. And
0: gotcha. Yeah, yep. we didn't. We didn't know what to do either on that. We just had to say, if you know, if they fix the AMT, it'll be this. If they don't, it'll be this. We have no freaking clue. And uh, I guess when did they do that? That was like. The first day of January or something it was, weird?
1: It was the third day. And that's the awesome thing. It was the American Taxpayer Relief Act of 2012 that was signed on January 3rd, 2013. And so so I think, because I think the Constitution says that if you're still hung over from a prior year, you when you sign the bill into law, you can still date it from the prior year from which you're still hung over. So I didn't
0: know that was in the Constitution.
1: It's in the Constitution. You need to read it closer. Um so well that, that's that's uh that's very very interesting um i and that leads us to something that that i that i thought was a uh that, that that I'm interested in hearing from you how was communicating with clients because joy that's a lot of what you're talking about you're trying to communicate you're trying to keep people up to speed they're not tax professionals they're not they don't have a front row seat to the to the huge mess that was being created by the fiscal cliff and and the late date at which that was fixed as you communicate, how did communication work and did you in hindsight are you wishing that you had communicated more i'm assuming more but then joy maybe one of the things that came out of your thing is maybe the idea is intentionally keeping people in the dark and not communicating until you had information what uh what are your thoughts about that joy do you think do you think you communicate that
2: next time and just keep them in the dark and it could be a big
1: surprise well i mean and is that are you being serious because i mean i don't joking. okay i thought you I thought you, know, you were I
2: think it comes down to having the right clients and just saying to them, look, it could be A or B, it's out of my hands, it's out of your hands, we're just sitting here waiting and just having the right clients that trust you and know that you're doing all you can do.
1: Right. Did did you have any clients that did not uh, did, that you did not, were not feeling that trust from that this that this was a major hurdle to get over for this tax season?
2: no I don't think so um, and the reason is the ones that had those issues were really I guess a bigger level clients uh-huh. so that trust is already there with them or right. if they wouldn't be using me
1: right gotcha gotcha well, so,
0: go, go ahead Jason no I was gonna I was gonna see what other uh, people thought Shana what, what do you think about um, the kind of clients you have as actually being what aids your communication is that what makes your communication easier even even when you're communicating hard things
3: it does it really does in my practice most of my clients are like family i mean we're we're pretty close and so i feel like i can speak to them on maybe a different level and not worry about um being so um um uh, i can't think of the word i want to say but formal i guess Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so i was very i felt okay and just saying that I didn't know. I, you know. I felt secure in saying that I didn't know and, and they were okay with me doing that because they've trusted me for so long. Um, right. But but like her, I had the same, like Joy, I had the same issues with capital gains, tax planning, etc. Right. And when I sent out my client organizers this year, I wrote a very long letter in there that huh. said cool. we don't know. And I'm just telling you up front, I have no idea when your tax return is going to be ready. I have no idea yeah. what your tax is going to be. I have no idea what they're going to do for the tax for 2013, I just need you to understand that it's not just me, it's also your brokers, your financial planners, your you know estate planners, everybody. Nobody has any idea. It's not just right. our firm, it's everyone. Oh, so just bear good. with so, us.
0: So communication is what's going to allow us to win. It, that's what it's... Even if you're yeah. being truthful and saying you don't know, it's communicating is the key.
3: It really is. Yeah. It, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that
1: right and well and it's even it, and it sounds like a lot of what you did through you were your communications was very explicitly an expectations management sort of tool that you used where where you're uh, very early on you're saying this is don't you know don't expect here here's what here's what i need you to expect it's not going to be like prior years and was that was that successful because i know that when i get a uh, you know, when I get that uh, that big giant file from the, the CPA firm, because I'm in, I'm in industry, so when we get that, I don't really read it or fill it out or send it back. Do your clients, did they read the letter or do you feel like was that an effective channel for communicating?
3: I think I think it was, and I think they did. Now, did they read the entire letter? Probably not, because it was kind of long. Um, uh, there was a point to me making it long rather than short. I knew uh, that they probably right. wouldn't read the entire letter, but they would understand that. Hey, she sent me three pages of stuff. This is serious, right, right, you know. Right, right. So I actually I debated on whether to go short or long, and I decided to go long because I wanted them to understand. Even if they didn't read this, if I'm sending out a three page letter yeah. that I've never done before in the last right. eight years, right. that I'm I'm serious, and right. so but. It, the, your original question, did it help? Yeah, it really did nip it in the bud. I During tax season, people were very understanding that I, I can't just turn out your stuff in January or, or even the beginning right. of February. Right. And people were pretty good about that. Plus, I used social media for the people who wouldn't read the letter to put uh, the short version on. I use A lot of my clients are on Facebook, so I put okay. it out on Facebook. Please right. bear you, with
1: us. Yeah, if you were going to put that out on Twitter, that would be the very short version. Yeah. <laughs> Of, of the whole thing. You did. Hey, you also did mention that your clients are like family, and that's probably helpful now that the relationship with your father is so strained and that you estranged him after kicking him out of your firm. So that's that's a nice thing. So I'm glad you I that. make
3: them choose sides when they come in, and now they choose me because I bake cookies. Oh, good.
1: Okay. Mm. Per-
4: perfect. Well, that's- how about
0: you, Steve? Can you, uh, I mean... What do you have a good client base that really lets you communicate well, even when you have to deliver hard news to them?
4: You know, I think I think uh, being at this point in our careers, we maybe can be more selective with clients, and we probably not done that so much with the niching or that kind of thing as as with trust and we don't have, if we don't have a good relationship with a client I'm probably going to counsel them to uh, work with somebody they do so if you have that trust and, and I think we've built that with most people and it's just uncertainty I mean life's uncertain and we typically followed the rules we followed for most of our career it's like here's the rules today we hope they change it but for now you're gonna have this huge alternative minimum tax bill um... if they change the rules that's probably better but we can't anticipate what's going to happen and plan for that necessarily we can tell them what would happen but but i think um... and i think a lot of this job has gotten to with all the notices and all the irs communication a lot of this job has become just trying to be a calm voice for these folks that yeah. get totally freaked out just getting a letter they do, and man. the uncertainty and just kind of, you know, sometimes taking a deep breath when they call you all panic, what'd you do wrong? And, and uh, well, actually, we didn't do anything wrong. And, right. and um, trying to give them a little peace.
0: Well, Steve, how do you like to communicate? I mean, do you use letters, emails, blogging? I mean, what are what are your means of communication that you hopefully that you know your clients will read and, and get?
1: It's Pinterest, isn't it? Pinterest, you're big, yes. Yeah, you're a big Pinterest guy. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Someday I'm gonna I'm gonna learn all about
4: that. You know we we send out the uh, the typical letters I mean we don't probably put as much time as we could into developing them we tend to use the boilerplates of some sort and modify them a little bit uh-huh. but I think that the email for anything factual and when it's anything that's a little more touchy I'm just very quick to pick up the phone I, uh-huh. I just think he can so quickly lose the tone in email hmm. and yeah. you can spend so much time rereading it trying to just get it just right just pick up the phone and call
1: right did you one of the things that uh, my uh, my boss uh, i love him to death even for all of his faults but he uh, he has he has some some phrases that that he throws around that are that i think are are very apropos in situations uh, like like our last tax season, one of the things that he says often is deliver bad news quickly. Um, do you, do you guys feel like you did a good job of getting out in front of this, or did you, did you feel like you were proactive or reactive with with this tax season, uh, Steve? What do you, what do you think? To the extent there was bad news, I you know I've I've never heard anybody put it quite that succinctly,
4: but. Yeah, I just want to get that out of the way. And, right. you know, somebody, I got good news or bad, and bad news, which do you want first? I don't want really to give them that choice. I just give them the bad news first, address it, and leave it on a good note. And I give them the good news second. And I think right. for the most part, the things that really, that there actually were issues, I think we were pretty proactive on it. But, you know, there's always these things that just show up and surprise you and right. not much you can do about it.
1: Right. Joy, did you think you were on the front end of the the information curve with getting out to people or were were people calling you with questions? How did you feel like that that worked out for you this year?
2: Um, I tried to be on the front end, but I think that also goes back to the client. You know, it depends on if they want you to be on the front end or not. If they're coming Hmm. in with stuff in in March that you should have seen maybe in November or you would have liked to have seen, that's kind of on them. Right, but I would rather be in in front
1: of it. Sure,
2: uh, and then I have a little bowl of candy bars. So when I give them, you know, bad news, I'm like, "Here, take a candy bar."
1: That's nice. It
2: always helps.
1: <laughs> nice. That it. That is. That is. Shana, what do you what do you think? Were you did, did you were you react? Did were you proactive or reactive with communication? Do you feel?
3: Um, I was pretty proactive, but I'm not Good. gonna lie. I'm sure there were things that I was a little bit reactive to because uh, you know I'm a. Um, a small firm and so uh-huh. I try and do it all, but I don't have 30 other people to rely on. And so there's a few things that came in that I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay, well, this is the way this is going to go, and we've got to try and, you know, get this taken care of now. Um, there are some things, you know, I can't think of 100% of everything no matter how much I try. Um, right. But there's a few things that surprised me. Like if you remember, and we forget about this because we're so focused on 1040s and businesses, I think even the first payroll checks to go out this year were, were maybe they were worried about the tax. Programs, yeah. the tax tables were going to be wrong. And right. so we had to guess on what the withholding and stuff, what the tax table should be for the first payroll checks
1: <laughs> right. of the year. Right.
3: So there were some things, you know, that I had to be reactive to, but mostly pro. I tried to be proactive.
0: Well, that's cool. Well, <clears throat> hey, we're 30 minutes in, so what we want to do is we want to switch maybe the last thirty minutes and really focus on very specific customer stories. So right. If you guys can be thinking about an actual story, we we would we would counsel you to leave the name of the client out of this <laughs> discussion, if you would. Uh, but we want to hear some some cool stories. But first, I'm, I'm just curious about each one of you. So let me just ask a quick question. So Joy. Did you make more or less money during tax season than last year? Well, this is your first tax season, right?
3: Right, right. So,
0: more?
2: <laughs> I would think it probably, um, maybe even more.
0: Cool. Yeah. How about you, Shana? More or less than, did you make more or less than last year?
3: Um, as an individual, Probably more, but we split off one of of our partners this year, so um, as a firm, not not more.
0: Okay. Yeah, I guess as a firm, we're interested in.
3: Yeah, yeah. So when you take one-third of your clientele out, you know, no, we didn't make more than last year.
4: Okay. How about you, Steve? (laughs) Uh, we're definitely off a little bit from the prior year. We probably were managing expenses a lot more in the first year, and we're a little looser the second year. But I think the uh, third year is the case. Maybe I think the um, I think the personnel issues—just having some of the wrong people here—you know—that can cost you a lot of money. And we had a great team uh, the prior year, and and we we right. had some we had some mistakes this year. Let's put it that way. Mm.
1: Yeah. Which which is interesting because because when you because going back to your question about to your answer about whether or not this was the worst tax season ever and you said we had some personnel issues so I didn't really notice how bad this tax season was that either means that you had that, that it wasn't that big of a deal the changes in the taxes or that you had some monstrous personnel issues that were going on it's it's one of the two so uh, well Greg you wanna, it, was, it was unfortunate yeah yeah.
0: Greg, you want to lead off with some questions on? Let's get into some customer stories, some war stories.
1: Yeah, well, well, customer or I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily have to have to even be customer stories. It could be even some some you know personnel stories as well. But but one of the things I guess let's start with customer. Is there was there something that you did? Do you, any any. Was there a shining beacon of the tax season where you were like, here's a customer, and I know that I served this customer in a way that blew that customer's mind, that completely delivered? It, you know something that that customer is going to be talking about forever. That's going to become sort of the uh, you know part of the folklore and culture of my firm. And I'll just throw this out to any of you, which uh, whoever may may have one that comes to mind. Cricket.
2: Come on, jump on in. I, I'll go. I'll I, go with that. My my story and this actually happened with two brand new clients that came into my firm. They came from non CPA preparers, hmm. and in uh. their mind, they didn't know the difference. They thought, cool. you know, that they were being taken care of. So when they come here and I point out several issues and it, it and this is big dollar issues that can't be undone. Uh, because of a previous preparer, you know that's sad uh, when that happens. But just being able to communicate to them, you know, this is what I can provide, and this is what we can do going forward. They completely get the value, and you know, are are with you.
1: Right. That, that's that's awesome, Joy. Um, what can you can you be more specific? What were the what were some of the things that were done that couldn't be undone that 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 we have a, an edge up on just regular preparers with.
2: The first one would be, um, it was a, a business that was set up as a C-Corp and uh. it never should have been and then they decided to sell their business. Uh-huh. There were You couldn't do a whole lot of tax planning with some of the situations inside of that C-Corp and right. it locked them in. When they came to me, they already had the agreement to sell so there was nothing that I could do except for say well going forward
1: is what we can do right so the thing the thing you couldn't undo from the past is double taxation right
2: right. yeah okay yeah that's a half a million dollar business that's a big deal
1: yeah yeah heck yeah wow that yeah that's that's a that's a great that's a great story and that was so that was with one did did you feel like it, it sounds like that was with you had a few customers that came from preparers and did, did Right.
2: And I had a second one. It was the same thing set up as a C Corp and it no never then. Luckily they weren't selling, but they were still stuck in that situation for the time being.
1: Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well that's that's very that that is very
2: cool. The hor- the really bad part of that situation is both of them were had one, two and three owners. And, you know, this is their retirement, this is their business, Uh, they've built it from nothing. And so going to them and saying, look, I know you've put all of your blood, sweat, and tears into this, but there's nothing I can do.
1: Right.
2: That's what's hard, to look someone in the face and tell them that, when if they just would have got good advice in the beginning, they wouldn't have went through that.
1: Right.
0: Well, it sounds like that was good service you gave them, even though, I mean, it sounds like you, you had to sit down and have a hard conversation. They want you to sit down and give them a solution, but you had to sit down and go, I don't have any solutions for you that will work. I mean, were you nervous?
2: I was very nervous. Um, and it was really hard to do, but once it was done and, you know, gave them a little breathing room, right. then they were okay because they felt like... You know, I was
1: being upfront and honest with them, and yeah. and looking out for them going forward. Cool. Yeah. Very, very. Maybe nice. That's
0: the difference they felt between you know a CPA and a tax preparer. The, so the CPA is going to sit down and go, you know, there is really no tax planning we can do, or the tax preparer is really just performing a a, a function. A yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, and really, the, you know, the big lesson for everybody to walk away with on this is uh, is when you're first starting your business, when you're first forming it, don't go to Liberty Tax Service for, <laughs> for advice. Probably, no. <laughs> the, if, if, if when should guy, you go to Liberty? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. If, if the guy, if the guy making your entity choice is dressed up in a Statue of Liberty costume, <laughs> you're probably <laughs> at the wrong, you're probably at the wrong place. Bro. So, uh, Sh- Shane or Steve, do you guys have any any stories of just being able to blow some customers' minds this last tax season?
3: I think I, I think this, I think I have one, yeah. Um, but it wasn't, it didn't really have to do with taxes this year. What it will affect is taxes next year um, during tax season. I had a client who was doing a contract to buyout partner. And and the way it was going to work was they, you know, filled out this whole contract and they wanted me to look at it. And I'm thinking, it's tax season, right? I mean, we already have discussed this is the worst tax season we've ever had right. Uh, right. at my age. And um, so, you know, this... Ooh, wait, but, wait, hold on.
1: <laughs> total zing on Steve. Steve, yeah. you keep That might back. have been
3: a little one. That might have been. Yeah, um, I,
1: I appreciate that. <laughs>
3: I um, so, anyway, you know, but I looked over it anyway and I was like, I was like, well, hold on, you can't do this because even though there are four partners, getting rid of two effectively dissolves your partnership. And what this is going to do is cause you a tax situation. So, I sat down and did all the tax planning for it and it took a long time. Um, and finally, in the end, we had to rewrite all the contracts, get the other partners to agree to a different sale plan. But I saved them about uh, over sixty some thousand dollars um, versus what the way their lawyer and they wow. and the other partner had set it up wow. to sell it but but you can't do those things and you really need to consult your tax advisor before you do something like sell out buy out half the partnership of your partner or or you know anything like that sell something you really need to talk to somebody who understands taxes and um, it made me feel good to say hey I saved you sixty five thousand dollars
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: well, let That's me ask you this, Shana. Do you feel like you got paid well for that advice?
3: Yeah, I think that they. I think that they certainly appreciated it and um, paid me appropriately for that.
1: Cool. Good. Good. Fantastic, Steve, Steve. What you got for us? I think probably the biggest customer satisfaction things we had were
4: related to IRS issues. Um, okay. You know, in one specific case, uh, Klein had been through the ringer He'd had a CPA that really didn't understand IRS procedures and collections, and and he got recruited to one of the uh, one of the national tax resolution companies and Uh. went through that whole step, and that didn't do anything. So by the time we get it, you know, every deadline, every every date that's important to all this is passed. He's getting garnished. He's getting, and we're having to work backwards and beg people to you know we'll file nine one one forms and try to do all kinds of you know handstands to help them yeah. out but finally we were successful uh-huh. and it was a pretty significant uh, you know it was a seven digit uh, levy and wow. we we got it we got it
1: substantially resolved but obviously those things don't completely go away sure yeah that that's that's pretty that's pretty unbelievable. and so that was uh, what that all came that was all did all that come crashing down during tax season when you had to deal with that as well? Yes, it did unfortunately. Okay. okay. so it was a lot of late nights to be able to to, to help that customer out in the process absolutely early mornings
4: late nights yeah there was it, there was no lack of hours work this year right let,
0: yeah let me ask you this when you're when you guys are performing this great customer service it's it's it you you all three just gave examples that it's around some difficult tax situation that the customer didn't understand right how do you, how do you look ahead and go all right this could be good for our firm we could get we, this is a chance to communicate our value to ask to get paid for the value. Are you guys thinking like that? Like when when a, when a big tax thing hits your desk, is it an opportunity? Do, do you think, cool, we're going to see if we can test what our value is and get paid appropriately? Or is that not even in your mind, Steve, when you're doing this work? Do you just jump in and start helping the client without thinking about how um, you get paid? Or how, how do you go through that in your mind?
4: probably more likely we jump in because when your first call is uh you know somebody's had their accounts levied and and uh, they need help obviously we set some expectations in advance but um i don't know if we you know i know i know we don't communicate the value as well as we should but we certainly try not to wait till after everything's resolved to uh to send them a bill we do try to set expectations of what it's going to cost up front that kind of work though is so transactional that you don't you know it's not something you're going to be doing every year for someone
1: yeah. right yeah it's yeah that's 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 very true it's hard to build hard to build a a, a solid business plan around a specific crises that, that that you're that you're hoping happen to your customers so that you can have work Exactly.
0: Yeah. Shayna or Joy, do you guys like when a problem arises? That that is actually an opportunity for us to communicate value. D- does that cross your mind, or or does solving the problem cross your mind first? What about you, Shayna?
3: I'm generally. I, I'm going to admit I'm solving problems. Yeah. I'm um, just trying to uh think of it as let's let's get this done for them let's get it out the door let's move on to the next thing when i probably should be thinking about the opportunities involved in that too and the stories that will be related if i if i can resolve something um in their favor
0: yeah but do you do that joy do you just jump into solving the problems
2: yeah i have to say the same thing to you know just jumping in and getting it fixed because that's in our nature that's what comes first so but i think it's a learning process because as you go through each situation like that i try and say well what would i have done differently how could i have communicated the value better and just learn from it that i think that's the best you can do right
1: well
0: that that's a good question so joy what what would be the answer to that question how can you communicate value better before doing the work i guess yeah
1: well, which and let's and before you even answer that, I mean, let's just even even emphasize that that's a that's a major principle that I learned from Ron Baker is the idea that that the value of your services are they're way more valuable before they're performed than after they're performed. Sure. And so so really doing that here's the problem cuz cuz I'm right there with you. I ju- jump in and let's fix the problem and take care I, of these people. To, yeah. But they but they have a they they can recognize how valuable you are when they've got a 7 figure lean that's placed on them by the IRS, once that pressure is resolved, they maybe don't see the, the, that your values may be diluted at that point.
2: How so what was the question?
1: Where were we? At? I totally derailed this. <laughs> well,
2: How do you communicate that value? I wish I had the answer to that, and I think I'm still, like I said, going through a learning phase. I'm probably, you know, trying to to value price more, and I'm probably about fifty percent there. So uh, it's just, you know, learning.
0: Right. I, you well, know, I think I think one thing we do is we work <clears throat> too fast as CPAs. I think we're often too quick because when you're when you're fast, right? you don't you don't think, you don't like I, I mean, you guys probably had this situation. If I'll put something on my desk and leave it overnight, I'll totally do a different thing the very next morning just because I've talked to some people, thought about it, yeah. maybe I stayed awake thinking about it. But just time brings such clarity to that communication. It, it, that's, what, that's what we try to do but we don't do it uh, we also jump into solving problems and I think we're losing our firm's losing a lot of value by not focusing on the communication of value because that's part of our job as strategic leaders um, I think so what well Joy you said you're struggling with it. how about you Shana or Steve H- how do you communicate value before you do the work or how could we do that better or how could our listeners do that better Shaina, what do you think?
3: You know, I, there are some things like, like the. Um, item I was just talking about where I saved the money. I really wasn't sure how much money I was going to save them, but I knew I was going to save them money. It was hard to communicate that to them. As the dollars grew, and I realized how much I was going to save them, um, the value became more. So how I, right. how I was going to tell them that up front, right. um, I couldn't figure out. I, I I'm not that I don't have that kind of experience yet. But I will tell you that that's where somebody like my father, where I have to give him kudos, right, because he's <laughs> 60x years old, and, yeah. and he's been around a long time, and that's a knowledge that he has that I don't. Yeah, And um, like point. Joy was saying, I think a lot of it's experience and, and trying to communicate that.
0: Mm. Do, do you have any ideas, Steve, as to how to communicate value better before service is completed?
4: Well, absolutely. You have to communicate expectations in advance, and uh, giving folks a fixed price before you do the service i think is is so key and i've gotten much better at that with uh... you know my involvement or association with thrival and and jason thanks to you and your leadership i've just learned a lot about that and i actually was having this conversation with a pediatric cardiologist uh, just this week wow. who has a collections problem and i'm telling them you know when i come in there and my kid is, needs your help i would rob banks to pay you yep. But 60 days, 90 days later, after the insurance tells me my share, it's like, well, can I make payments, you know? Um, totally different value perception. Now, obviously, we're not saving lives at quite that level. But if you tell people up front, you get that payment method up front, you know, you tell them how much it's going to be, and then that makes a total difference in, in sending them a bill after the fact, and they have no idea what they were going to get charged.
0: Joy, do you think, do you think part of the issue is that CPAs don't actually know their value?
2: Absolutely. And the reason is, you know, this is what I do. I do it every single day. So not all of it is easy by any means, but it comes natural to me. And so when I'm solving a problem, I don't, I don't see the value because I do this every day. But in the client's eyes, they only, you know, are seeing this once a year or even once in a lifetime, depending on the issue. So it's a huge problem to them. Whereas in my eyes it's, you know, like, oh, this is no big deal. So stepping back and reminding yourself that even though you can solve the problem, you know, relatively easy doesn't mean the value is any less. No.
0: That's true. What, Shane or, or Steve, what do you think? Do, 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 does our profession not recognize its value? Can we actually not put a dollar limit on it? I mean, a dollar amount? Do you think that's hard for us?
3: I do think that's hard. And I have to go with Joy there and say that um, with, uh, with the, um, like you get a tax notice and a client gets really excited over a tax notice that says they owe $100. <laughs> And you're like, really, a hundred dollars? You know, and but but she's right. You know, I I hadn't really thought about that till she said it. I I know it's not a big deal because this is what I do every day. But they're freaking out over a hundred dollars. so that that's a good point by her that we don't know our value just because it's just something that we do all the time and and I and again to echo Steve as being members of Thrival though That's something that I've really picked up on over the last couple of years and tried to pay attention to um, I know what you're getting from me is what I know my knowledge and um that's what you're really paying me for anybody can anybody can look at a notice and and write the check for a hundred dollars you know or or say it's ten thousand dollars write the check for ten thousand dollars but i but i actually know what's going on and i can solve that for you or or tell you why you owe that money um whereas somebody else can't and it's knowledge i have and i've learned that again over time with thrival
4: Cool. can we
1: can we turn look, look, i want to turn a little bit of yep. a corner and see if we can see if we can mine out something something else through this conversation um we complaints customer complaints are a great place to learn how to how we can do better did did you guys in term i guess first off it did you have very many complaints from customers and if so Were they similar complaints? And and I know this is sort of pulling your pants down for people because nobody wants to talk about, you know, customers who weren't satisfied with the work that you were doing, but this could be a a huge learning thing for the five of us and for for our listeners. So did, did you, you know, Steve, did you notice if customers came in with an issue or a concern or a complaint, was there one overarching complaint that you heard this last tax season? I think it's I I think it's always the timing. You know, they they bring. Okay.
4: You know, obviously we've got a year's worth of work that gets compressed into six weeks, and this this year was certainly worse. And right. and they. Expect they expect something that that is very difficult to deliver or many of them do and again okay. set expectations in advance on what they're gonna get but right people are coming in in the last week of March and and uh, you know expect you to turn it around or even worse I've got a call at two o'clock on April 15th says well I do expect to have my tax turned on today. I've never filed an extension wow. and um, wow. well um, you know we've only had your stuff a week so right but the other part is the notices I mean I mean, it's just the the IRS has gotten so aggressive with the notices, and hmm. and I think Shana said that it's so emotional to them. Yeah. To us, it's yeah. okay, you know, you're uh, you bought a pack of gum. Here, here you go. And to them, it's like, oh my God, the IRS is looking at them. Yeah. They're yeah. the only
1: ones in the whole world. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, okay. So time so timing basically and and that's a and that's an interesting thing. So so in terms of timing because a, again, we have such a different perspective where it's like timing to me if if it's what's the big deal about filing an extension? That that doesn't seem like that should be a problem but to a lot of rank-and-file taxpayers that's a big issue they don't they feel like they failed somehow if they have to file an extension which is not the case uh, joy what did what did you think were there any what how, how do you anything that you would add to what Steve said or even some nuance you'd add to what Steve was saying
2: I have to agree with him and the the thing that I heard over and over this year was the clients not receiving their tax information which you know that's nothing oh. that that I can do anything about but they all made sure that they knew that that I knew they weren't happy
3: about that.
1: Okay, so so kind of upstream for even from the the customer where they're not getting their what 1099s, right. W2s and
2: broker statements or they'll get a broker statement and it'll say this is not final, you're going to get another one.
1: Oh, right. Um,
2: and just not having information to even do a return with.
1: Right. Very very that's a that's very interesting. Uh, so upstream yeah. Which, which, again, not surprising, us because of all the changes, that stuff like that would be delayed, but that being a frustration that they come to you, with, because so much of what we have to do is get, you know, and and I think, Joe, I think it might have been you that was that mentioned this earlier, is we just have to gather our, so much information from them, and they're not getting it to us on time, but that that's their frustration, is that they're not getting it quickly enough either. Interesting. Shana, what do you, what do you think?
3: So the biggest complaint. Well, first of all, on extensions, I find that once clients use it the first time, they have no problem using it the second, Ooh, third, like fourth, fifth. Okay, right,
1: right.
3: <laughs> they they all of a sudden they buy into that concept um, <laughs> as long as they don't owe a bunch of money or something. But yeah. the biggest complaint that I heard in my office, because like I said before, I nipped in the bud the fact that you know we're going to be late. That's all there is to it because we don't even know what the tax laws are. Yeah. But it was the people who aren't my clients. So uh. if I had a partnership or an estate a state income tax return or a trust income tax sure. return and the executor or the managing partner had hired me, it was the other partners that aren't really my clients per se uh-huh. that, that goes to somebody else to get their 1040s done that were the complainers on the time because they oh. didn't understand. Maybe their maybe their accountant didn't explain uh-huh. to them, which I doubt I think some of their accountants did. They just didn't, uh-huh. you know, didn't register for them that, right. that hey, she's trying her hardest and oh by the way welcome to what it's like to be a partner or a beneficiary this is how it works now you're not just somebody with a W-2 and a 1099 there are other tax returns that have to be done before yours is completed and that's one thing that I heard a lot or you know other calling me I need my K-1 well you know it's going to take a while and here's why and so you know my poor uh administrative assistant you know had to handle those phone calls and she did it she did a good job with it right. once once it was explained so,
0: right. so that's interesting so ta- taxpayers that change their own situation changes from one year to the next that could cause additional burdens on the cpa because they have the same expectations as the prior year but it, yeah. it don't work like that in the new year
3: Right. Exactly. You know, when, you know, you buy a store and you have depreciation and all of a sudden Ohio, you know, said we're going to go along with the federal tax laws in March. They made that decision. And so, you know, by then we'd already filed some tax returns and we're like, you know, it's not worth it to go back on these little companies and try and figure out, you know, save them a hundred dollars. They're going to get it. That's just timing difference. But. But, you know, to try to explain that to somebody, that you're you're now a different kind of taxpayer. You are no longer um, what I would consider the storefront. Taxpayer that can just walk in and, and get an easy tax return done, or file your own tax return online anymore. This is why you're here. This is why it's going to take time, and so that. And, and at first, they have to. They're not really happy with that, quite frankly. Well,
0: <laughs> so. you know, it, every every complaint can lead us either to a new service, typically, or yep. a new communication. This is now an, an opportunity for new communications that our our profession can build around. These things, more more notices from the IRS is just another opportunity for us to communicate and possibly price additional value um, on notice support and the speed with which we respond. There's value in that, uh, especially when a customer responds emotionally to those things. So, you know, for us, since we're strategic CPAs, it's always opportunities, which is really pretty cool. So that means we want to welcome the problems, right?
1: Yes, Jason, that's right. Yes, sir. We sure do.
0: <laughs> well, Greg, we don't have much time. Should we should we go out with the question, what will you do differently next year?
1: Yeah. And I think that's a great I think that's a great way to go out.
0: You want to add anything to that, Greg, or is that that's our good closing question? Uh,
1: yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. What it, it, what what's the thing that you what's something that you learned from your experience in the in the you know, arguably the worst tax season since 1987, <laughs> uh, and, and and how you know how's your how's your firm going to change as a result of that? Uh, let's let's go. Let Steve. How about we start with you? What what's something that you learned? Well, I
4: we dramatically upgraded our team and yeah. uh, you know spent a little bit more money on it maybe did a little bit more upfront uh, uh. Uh, research on folks and also maybe got lucky but we've got a we really ended up with a great team but you know I think it's a lot of the basics the blocking and tackling and preparing and being proactive you know we right. know these things we've kind of planned for these things but you have to be so diligent
1: mm-hmm. in all those in every little step or it right. can get out of control quickly. Right. Well, and that's and that's super true. I mean, it, you know, just it, it's so funny how so often we get we go through these these long conversations about well, what happened wrong, and you just the, and the bottom line, it's basics. You know, we've all read uh, Jim Collins' book, and we all know that, that having the right people on the bus is foundational to having a great experience at work if you've got good people things are going to be better if you don't have the right people it's going to suck unavoidably suck <laughs> yeah. um and is that so that's kind of a lot of what you're saying right absolutely it's it's yeah. tough to uh it's tough to make a broken part um function well you know <laughs> right. that's a yeah workable analogy well, and, and and let me ask you this, it seems as though, because one of the things too is that of all of the challenges, that, and the challenges that you guys were able to turn around and, and create these wonderful customer experience, uh, uh, customer service experiences, from they the, the thing that made them challenging was that they landed right in term in the middle of tax season but cultivating the right team and making sure that you've got the people in place that seems like something that you can do in, in when we're not as pressured is that did, did you did you may did you drag and i know this is everyone's uh is is No one likes to have these tough conversations with personnel. Did you drag your feet until you had to make a choice? Could you have done stuff earlier? Well, t- in in the past, absolutely, but
4: we had someone in the middle of January that we were pretty excited uh, about, an independent contractor that okay. you know, was going to work all kinds of hours that suddenly just disappeared. Uh, we had our accounting services <laughs> manager that got pretty sick toward the end of January and ended up okay. in the hospital. Uh, actually, February 1st, she went to the hospital with a m- pneumonia. Mm. And then Sheesh. we had a receptionist that we you know did some did some, some things that were not consistent with working in a CPA firm. How's that? And okay. <laughs> uh we had to let her go uh suddenly okay. and you know, so oh so, so it was just bad luck. Yeah. It was uh yeah, just a series. You know, it's never the one thing that, that, that kills you, yeah. it's the three and four and five yeah. little little things that happen in sequence that that just take you out.
1: Gotcha. Okay. That's that's very very interesting, uh, Shayna, What do you What do you think? What's What's going to be different next year for you?
3: I think uh, you know our conversations were all good here today during this podcast Um, communicating um, I think I can communicate just that much better uh, with with results Um, so I think that that's something that we're going to try and do and then um, really pay more attention to the clients that value my services the Mm -hmm. most I got a few clients that I was reactive to and wanted to serve because I wanted to make them happy but I have a few clients some of those clients are people that aren't happy people and I really Need to focus my efforts on the people that actually value. Uh, you know, my firm, my my employees need to do too. The people that really value us. Um, there are a few of those that I think that I could really serve better and and create opportunity from. And so next year during tax season, I want to focus on on you know my A clients. Really yeah. focusing on my A clients.
1: Yeah. Cool. Nice.
0: How nice. How about you, Joy? What are you going to do next year?
3: I am already making some software
2: changes. Um, and I've got some demos lined up to see some new products, so I'm really excited about that. I think that will make a huge difference. Um, and go, I like Shana's idea. You know, she sent out the, the long letter at the beginning of tax season explaining everything, so just communicating better. Um, and what I'm also going to do is, and it falls in line with communicating, but, you know, halfway through the year or, or September or October, just reaching out and being proactive with clients and saying, let's see what's going on so far, what can we do
1: to wrap up the rest of your year. Right. Gotcha. Jason, we have a year, you own your own firm. What about you? What are you going to do different next year uh, based on this past year?
0: Well, um, so I guess the first thing I should say is the thing we're bad at is uh, tax planning. Technically, we need some we need to do better at that so you know the typical complaint we bump into is people owing more than they than they don't anticipate um Uh, so i think what we're going to do is do a lot more technical training on tax planning with our team we have probably more creative cpas than we do um i wouldn't say technical but they're very very creative in, uh, in what they can do which is what we have to have but I've not been a good leader on the technical side because I'm probably less technical than we should be. So we're gonna we need some training in that area to try to, you know, um, stop surprising clients with what they owe. Honestly, gotcha. It's kind of painful. So real quick, I just, you know, real quick, we want to do a little pimp of the Thrival community. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So Joy and Shada and Steve, just as we as we leave, um, maybe one statement about how, you know, being a part of the Thrival community has helped you grow. What do you think, Joy?
4: I
2: would say as a sole owner and being by yourself, Thrival provides the experience and um opportunity to reach out to other CPAs to get advice without having the headaches of partners or other owners and so you you get that benefit All
3: right. of cool.
2: support
0: awesome what do you, what about you Shana
3: I think for me Thrival is a way to transition myself from a larger traditional firm that I grew that you know I was used to doing even though I and then I came out on my own and I still ran my firm really traditionally and then with Thrival I've been able to kind of transition that and say hey I can turn this firm into what I want to be and what I like I can I can be more mobile I can do things and and I feel like I'm with a group of like-minded individuals who understand the value in that as well so um Thrival's really opened. up up possibilities and software and different things to help me live my life while having a firm.
0: Sweet. How about you, Steve, as you take his own out?
4: I, I think the biggest thing I've biggest takeaway from Thrival has been the the value pricing and uh, the mm-hmm. um, how we how we build clients and 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 uh, you know fixed price agreements and and those sorts of things have really changed our firm and added a lot of value to our firm. And yeah, having a having a group of people to bounce ideas off has, has been fantastic. Um, really enjoyed that. And the software. I mean, I've I've learned about software and thrival I, I would have never heard of, cool. and really uh, really moved in a direction with a few of those yeah. that uh, we wouldn't be there.
1: That's right. Excel is an amazing uh, program, <laughs> and I agree, J- Jason. My my thing with with, uh, with being involved with Thrival is that uh, you know the adoption of innovation curve. Uh, I, I am. I, Thri- Thrival is a group of early adopters. And if you just look at Thrival, I am the laggard in a group of early, which still forces me to be an early adopter, <laughs> even if I'm the laggard in the group. And it's that peer pressure uh, of, of being around a bunch of highly motivated, smart uh, passionate CPAs that that helps me out. So, thanks for asking me that question too. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and and hey, right before we go, Shayna, would you please say uh, thank you for listening to the Thrivecast in Japanese? Okay, okay. I, okay, I'll fine, I'll do it for
3: <laughs> you. <Adiosu>, Ki- <laughs>
1: Kite itadake aragato gozaimu thrive cast. I know. Boom, boom. Japanese. Are you in eating the house.
3: something? There's something in there. I see. I've, I've, I've just lost it all. Sorry.
1: I, I just looked. I'm it telling on. you,
3: ten years of no Japanese and
1: <laughs> it loses. It, go, it goes away. It goes. Right. Well, guys, th- thank you so much Thanks for so hanging much. out with us. Uh, you, I'm sure that there's people who are very thankful that they've got people that helped them process through their uh, tax season. So this has been huge. Thanks a million for joining us this morning. Yep. Thank You're you. You're very welcome. Thank you.